once you've started walking down this path, you start to see how pretty freaking awesome living into the mystery really is. Oh my gosh. It's everything. And it's nowhere that I ever thought I would be. Yeah. Like it's the total opposite of how I ever operated for 40 years. And then now it's like, I can't imagine doing it any other way because there's just so much freedom and possibility there. If you're standing on a threshold, if you feel a yearning to tap into your greatest potential, but you're caught in that fuzzy in-between space of the now and not yet, don't despair. You're being invited to pivot with greater purpose. You're on the thrilling edge of becoming. You are being called to unleash your soul song. I'm Becky Fleischer, and I believe we're all born with a gift that's uniquely ours, our very own soul song. And I discovered on my own journey that when we unleash it into the world, man, does it make life sing. You might express it through writing, science, cooking, nursing, teaching, or some other endeavor. The song is different for each of us, and its expression can change throughout your life. But it can only sing when you're in tune with your truest self. I know you're trying to get things in focus, that you're looking for encouragement and practical tools to illuminate your own personal journey. And that's what you're going to get here. I'm excited to travel this road with you. Let's get going. Welcome back to another episode of Unleash Your Soul Song. I'm your host, Becky Fleischer, and it is so great to be back with all of you. So on today's show, we're having another little book chat. It's the second time I've done a book talk, but the first time that I'm partnering with an independent bookstore to bring you a discount on the book. I don't know about you, but I love finding bookstores in the small towns that I find myself in. And in my happy place, if you follow me on Instagram, you'll know that my happy place is in upstate New York. And we didn't have a bookstore until my good friend and fellow soul seeker, Jen Schwartz, heard the whisper that she should open a bookstore. And then she got curious about what that would entail. And then she started looking at spaces. And before you know it, she followed that whisper all the way to opening what is now her very own independent bookstore called Briars and Brambles in Wyndham, New York. Now, had she ever owned a bookstore before? No, Soul Seekers, she had not. Did she have experience in retail? Nope, she didn't have that either. Did she have experience in the professional book world? Mm, No, she loved books, but no experience as a professional in that world. But did she do it all anyway? Hell yes, she did. She opened that store. And you know what? Now, several years into this endeavor, even through a pandemic, it's such a beautiful success. Soul Song Unleashed. So if you're interested in getting a copy of today's book, Jen is excited to offer my listeners a 10% discount. Just go to briarsandbramblesbooks.com. That's B-R-I-A-R-S-A-N-D. B-R-A-M-B-L-E-S-B-O-O-K-S dot com and follow the link on the homepage to get details on ordering. I'll be sure to link to it in the show notes as well. Now, I can't wait to get to the meat and potatoes of the show because it's a full meal deal today. We are diving into best-selling author, life coach, and sociologist Martha Beck's most recent book, The Way of Integrity, Finding the Path to Your True Self. And I am so very lucky to be joined once again by one of our most popular guests on the show, Jen Oglesby. Some of you may remember her from episode 26, The Quiet Start and the Messy Middle. 
Man, oh man, did you guys like that show. And now she's back. Yay. You may remember that Jen is a Martha Beck certified life coach and a licensed clinical social worker who helps exhausted, overwhelmed women make space for themselves, connect with their desires, confidently claim what they want, and reclaim their joy. I couldn't think of a better person to have this conversation with because, you guys, it's a big one. If you read the show notes, then you already know. I've warned you. I have warned you. This episode isn't for everyone. This topic isn't for everyone. This book isn't for everyone. It's only for the brave of heart and those who are serious about embracing the edge of becoming. This integrity business is hard. All capital letters, put it in neon lights, make you sweat, make you cry hard. But it's also so, so, so very worth it. Today, we're walking through Martha Beck's four-step process that's inspired by Dante's Divine Comedy. We'll be taking a spiritual adventure through the dark wood of error, into the inferno, up through purgatory, and finally arriving in paradise. And while it's not for the faint of heart, it could be one of the most important field guides I have found as we pilgrim together on the further journey. Now, one of the things we touch on a lot in this conversation is finding and then staying on our true path. You might remember an episode from earlier this year. I think it hit in January. It was called No Plans, No Problem. And in that episode, I talk about path over plan. And I wanted to give you the heads up that in this show, I'm sharing some big, heavy news about the path that I'm on. And I want to remind each of us that when I share things on the show and when we hear the stories and experiences of other people on the show, we're doing that to find the wisdom that can only be found through lived experience. We're stepping away from the theoretical, the headspace, and sinking deeply into the solid knowing of the heart space. What we're not trying to do is say, this is the way or this is the path, when you start living in integrity or you start to embrace the edge of becoming, we can't say that because there is no one-size-fits-all path. I can tell you right now that my path is custom-made, and I want your path to be too. So how I'm finding myself leaning into my integrity will probably look very different from how you lean into yours and how Jen leans into hers. So with that, If you've read this book already and you want to share some of the insights you've had, I hope you'll join me over on Instagram at Unleash Your Soul Song and comment on any of the posts that are related to this topic or send me a direct message with what's coming up for you as you follow the way of integrity. I hope you enjoy this conversation with fellow soul seeker and soul teacher, Jen Oglesby. Let's jump right in. Welcome back to the show, Jen Oglesby. I'm so excited to see you this morning and to be back on the show with you. Thank you for agreeing to come on again. Oh, thank you so much for asking me. I'm so excited for this conversation. I can't wait. Well, your episode we recorded, I think, I don't know, we recorded it earlier this year, but it ran in March 
and it was the quiet start in the messy middle. So you are my first repeat person to come on the show, which I'm so excited about. I, when we talked last time, we were like, wait, we have so much more to talk about. We should have you come back. So I'm glad that we're doing that. And I'm glad that it worked because it was one of the most popular episodes. People loved what you brought to that episode, you really delivered a lot of great information and people really resonated with it. So thank you for that interview as well. Oh, thank you so much, Becky. And thanks for having me back. Absolutely. So this summer, I guess it was in May. I think I saw you posted on Instagram, a picture of, of you're holding up Martha Beck's new book, the way of integrity. And you were talking about how you couldn't wait to like sink in and read it. And I was just finishing the book at that time. And in my mind, when I was reading it, I was like, man, I would love to do a show about this and talk about this book because there's so many great, deep, juicy, helpful nuggets in there for people who are finding themselves kind of on this path of becoming, you know, I talk a lot about going to the edge of becoming, and this book, I feel like is such a, it's like a guidebook almost to, to exactly what we talk about on this show. So in my mind, when I was reading it, I was like, I'm definitely doing a show about this book. And then when I saw that you were reading it and I was like, and there's my guest. <laughs> Exactly. So that I was so glad when you were so receptive to doing this again and, and sharing this. And we took the summer to kind of read it and digest it again and have our own summers of craziness and madness. And now here we sit in September and we're finally making good on our connection there back in May over this book. So excited to bring that to everybody today. Let's jump right in. So Martha Beck, you know her more, I would say personally than I do. I know her, I'm a fan of hers from afar, but you are actually a Martha Beck certified coach. So I'm excited to see your perspective on this book, having gone through her program and having that lens because that's a different lens than what I have. So I can't wait to see how you saw this book and the takeaways that you had that might be a little different than mine. And for our guests who have already heard this or read this book, not heard this book, although I don't know, maybe it is an audio book by now. I'm not sure. Um, if they are familiar with the book, I hope that they'll join us on Instagram and pop some things in the comments of Instagram of the post that we'll do for this kind of sharing their insights and takeaways, because I, I think we, before we started recording, we were saying we could talk an hour on every chapter. Yes. So there's just so much in here. We're not going to cover it all. And what we really are trying to do today is to give the, the listeners an idea of what's in this book so that they can see if this might be kind of a field guide that would help them. So let's orient people who aren't familiar with the book. I think that her structure for how she structured this book is really actually quite genius. She structures it after Dante's Divine Comedy. And she goes through basically these four phases, or I guess you could call them gates that uh, Dante travels through to reclaim his soul, basically. And so that, you know, there are four, four phases, four gates. There's the dark wood of error, the inferno, purgatory, and then paradise. And so we're going to share our, our plan for going through the book today is that we are going to share a little um, personal or professional takeaway from each of these four gates, if you will, and our favorite exercises. So just so people who aren't familiar with the book listening, she breaks the book into these four sections, and then there are multiple chapters under each of the sections. So that's why we were saying we could talk, you know, for hours on each of these, but we're, we're going to kind of clip through here. So to give you a, a taste of what is happening in each of these, but let's start with the crux of the whole book, which is the word integrity. And I want to just, if we could for a second, maybe just define what we mean when we hear the word integrity. And when we say it personally, because people might interpret that in different ways. So Jen, how do you define what integrity means? 
For me, integrity means living in alignment with my truth. It means belonging to myself and making sure that all the parts of myself are in harmony with each other and in harmony with what feels true for me. That's my simplest definition of it. Yeah. I'm with you. I, for me, the word integrity, I like, I think you said in harmony, things are living in harmony. There is a harmony about it that feels natural and comfortable and beautiful in a way. Right. I, I think also that word integrity has, um, there's an incorruptibility associated with it that has something to do with a fundamental goodness and honesty, a straightforwardness, but there is something about that kind of incorruptible. Like you can't touch me here. This is like, you know, it's so aligned. It's so integrated. There's nothing that can truly actually hurt me when I am in this place. Yes. And I think that's the hardest thing to get to because you almost have to trust fall a little bit into that. And you don't know what that feels like until you really kind of trust fall into it. And to your point about aligning your inner and outer, you know, that's how I think I, you know, on my things, I talk about it. It's like a weaving together of our, our inner experience of spirit with kind of the external wisdom that we find in the world. And then just the reality of our lives and how those things all kind of mesh together. You know, when you can find that sweet spot in the middle of all those three, I feel like that's where that incorruptible, like, nope, there's really nothing you can throw at me. That's going to move me from here. So that's kind of where I come at the word integrity. Yes. Yes. And when you said about how hard it is to free fall into that, I also, I always want to point out to people that like, we have no roadmap for this. The last thing that our culture wants us to do is to deeply trust our inner knowing. (laughs) And so when we, when it feels scary and terrifying, that's because we don't have a path for this, but thankfully Martha Beth has beautifully laid one out for us, but it's not an easy path and it's Mm -hmm. not the way that most of us operate. And so it takes some real trust and some real leaning in. Yeah, absolutely. And it goes to, so Martha's definition of integrity, she kind of gets into the Latin, you know, the Latin root, which I always like, because I think that's helpful. And she says, you know, it comes from the word integer, which means intact, one whole thing, undivided. And when she starts the book, she starts off talking about an airplane ride that she was on. And the idea of an airplane, you know, being integrity, which, you know, you think about that, sure, an airline, an airplane that I'm flying on is in integrity, when all of its millions of little pieces that make this magical thing fly up in the air, when all those are working together and smoothly and as one kind of unit, it has integrity. And if it loses integrity, it might falter, it might crash. And so people take that really seriously when we're talking about an airline, right? Something we're going to fly in that could crash. You want that plane to be in complete integrity. And her point is that there's no judgment attached to that. Mm. There's no emotion attached to the fact about whether that plane is in integrity or not. It's just physics. It's just a fact. If that plane's not in integrity, it could have an accident crash and have devastating consequences. And I love that she set that up in the beginning to say this integrity game, this is not about emotions. This isn't about what's right or what's wrong. It doesn't make you good. It doesn't make you bad. It's just what it is. Like you kind of, you have to be in an integrity or you're going to crash and burn kind of, it's going to catch up with you. And I just, I love that she took the emotion out of it. Cause you're so right. This it's hard. It's not easy. And there's no map to walk with here. Yeah. And she says in the beginning too, like 
I love, I had, I underlined this big, like integrity is the cure for unhappiness, period. Like, it's not about like being a good person. It's about finding peace. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that feels like an important distinction. So I'm glad that you brought that up. So let's jump in to the first gate here, which is the dark wood of error and in the dark wood of error for people like me, who were not completely familiar with Dante's divine comedy. Jen's shaking her head. You guys can't see this, but we're both kind of laughing. It's one of those things nobody wants to admit because you're supposed to be like so learned. And of course I know about Dante's divine comedy. I mean, I knew about it, but I think I tried to read it once and I was like, um, yeah, (laughs) I'm not going to make it through this book. So if you have ever been intrigued by that idea, reading Martha Beck's book is actually way more approachable. It's way more friendly. And she describes Dante's book to you. So it's like, you get a double, you get a double dose. You win both ways. (laughs) Exactly. So the dark wood of error is when we are, or when Dante was. And so she's drawing the parallel to when we're lost, when we're in trouble, we're feeling, you know, exhausted and unsure. And, you know, I call that the kind of the fog and the haze of just like, wow, like what's happening. Like when you get out of tune and how it can happen slowly over time, like decision by decision. And it can be so subtle. You're not even recognizing that it's happening. So that's how she kind of is setting up the dark wood of error. Is that how you would see it as well? How she set it up? Yes. Yes. That sort of feeling like you have no purpose, feeling like things in your life just aren't right. Being miserable. (laughs) Yes. Yep. Yeah. And she gave us six symptoms of kind of being out of integrity. She was like, you know, you can kind of know that your body really motivates you through these different instincts to regain integrity. Her point is, it's like integrity is almost a a state of homeostasis. And so your body's always trying to get there. She attests it'll do it in one of six ways. And so she had feeling purposeless, emotional misery, physical deterioration, consistent relationship failures, consistent career failures, and bad habits that you can't break. And the fact that we're also very good at deceiving ourselves, it's kind of helpful to have those six little points to say, hmm, you know, am I experiencing any of those and kind of digging in a little bit deeper there. All right, so let's jump in. Personal or professional takeaway and favorite activity in the dark wood of error. Jen Oglesby, what are yours? Mm, Okay, this was very hard. It's going to be hard every time. But I think the biggest takeaway for me in this section and what I see play out the most in my coaching practice is that we have to tell ourselves the truth that we can stay in the land of denial for as long as we want, but we we will keep feeling purposeless. We will keep feeling miserable. We will keep failing until we tell ourselves the truth. And one of the first steps and one of the first things that we can do is start to recognize like when we're doing something because it's prescribed by our culture and when we're doing something that arises from our true nature. And this is a big piece of what I have worked on in my own life. Um, I know Martha Beck, this is sort of a tenet of her coaching that she's taught for a long time and how I work with clients that when we can start to get clear about what we're actually doing for ourselves what actually feels in alignment for us versus what's been prescribed to us, what we're told we should do, what we think we should do, pleasing other people, all of those pieces. Like that is sort of, to me, the biggest takeaway, like step one is we have to get in touch with like what's really important to us. And she has an exercise in there um, called detecting your hustle. 
And she says it's a way to get radically honest about like what you do that's in alignment with your true nature and what you do, you know, because it's expected of you or for other reasons. And she asked questions like, do you ever hang out with people you don't really enjoy? Are you consistently doing things you don't really want to do? Are there times when you pretend to be happier than you really are? And it's a series of questions. And it's incredible to me, like when you stop and really think about that and fill it out, how much time we're spending and how much energy and effort we put into things that aren't important to us. And we don't even realize that it's kind of our default mode of operating. And so taking some space to kind of pick those things apart and ask ourselves those questions and really sit with ourselves about what feels true and what doesn't feel true is so powerful. And I feel like is the first key It's where I see clients like just start to make that little shift. Mm -hmm. And it's just one of those places where like, if you can just take it and you don't have to do anything. And we've talked about this in the last episode. It's just a noticing, like Mm -hmm. just notice, like, of course we feel exhausted and resentful and stressed out and worn out. Look at how much time we're like bullshitting our way through our days. Exactly. (laughs) And so let's just get honest with ourselves. And so that is the piece that I really love about this and the piece that I find really powerful for myself and also with the clients that I work with. It's a real tipping point. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, I'm glad you brought up the hustle, but before we started recording, we were saying, well, I hope that the exercise I pick is a different one that you pick. Cause we love so many of them. We want to talk about them also already. We're right out of the gate. I'm like, yes, she picked the hustle. one. I love that. Um, cause that is such, that's a really good one. And it's something that we do almost unconsciously. Yes. And so you can just kind of step right into this. And I love that this part in the dark wood of air, she spends a lot of time and a lot of her exercises are there to help us uncover and, and see for ourselves and really kind of get honest with ourselves. Cause I think you put your finger on it when you said the first piece is just admitting it. It's just looking at it and saying, ah, this is what it is. It's like, it's just not adding up. It's just not it's not fulfilling me. It's there's something not in integrity here. And that doesn't mean again, not good, not bad. Just, it gives you information so that you can move forward in a more conscientious kind of way. Yes. I loved the activities that I have two. I'm a cheater already. Sorry. (laughs) You've broken the rules, Becky. We, that's it. I'm out. (laughs) Interview's over. Forget it. I loved the, on page 16, she has the dark wood of error syndrome quiz, which is a really insightful, great quiz to help you kind of see how, where you fall on a spectrum of how integrated you are. That was, I thought very helpful. What I wanted to point out on that quiz again, you know, this year, I mean, I took it this year for the first time. If I had taken this five years ago, it would have been, it would have looked very different because I feel like I have kind of walked this journey out you know, a step or two or 10 or 20. Like, I feel like I've gone through these four gates in many different ways in my life. It's such a process. Like you can continue to come back to it, but I loved the quiz. And then the other one that I thought was just a big reveal was the do not mention zones. Yes. Yes. (laughs) We don't like to talk about certain things and there are things in our lives that we don't want to look at. And to, to have a very vulnerable and real honest moment here on the show. And this will be new information from, for my listeners, most of my listeners, 
this summer, you know, part of what I needed to take a break for, I had so much creative work coming through, but part of what I needed to take a break for was that after many years of a lot of work and a lot of soul searching and a lot of therapy and a lot of hard conversations, my husband and I decided to separate. And so it was bringing our, our children through that, bringing ourselves through that with as much um, respect and love and, and support of each other as we could. And I'm, I'm very grateful that we are in a good spot, which is why I can talk about it. I wouldn't talk about it if we weren't in a, both of us in a good spot with this. And for a long time in my life, that was a do not mention zone for me. I have a very lovely soon to be ex-husband who's a wonderful person, but there was something in our marriage that wasn't adding up. And that's a very hard thing to look at. It's, it was a very hot do not mention zone for me because I just wanted it to be a different, you know, I wanted it to be. And in a lot of ways we, we will that, you know, we're like, well, I'll just make it that that's how it is. You know, I'll fake it till I make it kind of thing. This is where, like you said, like the bullshit stops, like you don't get to fake it till you make it anymore. You actually have to now call it on the carpet and see if you can fix it. And I feel like doing that with integrity is what made this process for us very civil and as loving as possible because it, it, it opened avenues for me. It opened avenues for him, for us to say, explore, be honest. And that in some way feels whole and right. And so just to put a fine point on that, do not mention zones, watch out everyone. Like That's a a big exercise. It is. it takes so much courage. And, you know, I've, I've told people when I recommend this book, like this book is not for people who are faint of heart. Um, you know, if you, you will get to these do not mention zones, but I think also like you've been walking this road a long time. It's not like yeah, you read yeah. this book and, you know, you've been walking the path of integrity for so long. And for all of us, I think, you know, it doesn't start, I think it can feel scary. Like if I'm going to walk the path of integrity, like I'm going to leave my job. I'm going to leave my marriage. I'm going to, but like, that's not where it starts. It starts with like these little places. and like, it just starts to open up here and open up there so that by the time you get to like these big places, like you've walked that path long enough to have the courage and the resources, you know, like all that you did before that is I'm going to take a guess, laid the road for you to, to walk that really, really hard path. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Thank you so much for highlighting that because that that's absolutely correct. And I would never want anyone to think that I picked up this book and then was like, Oh, that's, that's it. You know, time to go. That is absolutely not what happened in any way, shape or form. It, like I said, yes, it's been many years and you said it beautifully. If you do the work, if you kind of walk through and, and try to do the repairs, when you finally get to the end, it, it doesn't feel like this traumatic experience. It feels like a completion of a particular journey in a particular stage of my life. So yeah, anyway, but you, you said that correctly and I don't want to belabor a point here or make this about, you know, my summer of separation as I call it, but uh, (laughs) that was a big chapter for me because it really did highlight that critical element of no matter what it is in your life just call it what it is and start working on it because that's how you can repair it in the best possible way. As soon as your body starts to tell you something's not right here. Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you for sharing that. 
Thank you, Jen. All right, so on to the inferno. The inferno is the second gate where we are suffering and we are trapped in our inner hell. <laughs> Yay! I know it's so much. Not like fun so much here. fun. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, who doesn't want yeah. to be trapped in an inner hell? But um, yeah, yeah, that's absolutely what it feels like when you're going through that. It's yeah, it's it's you feel like you're literally like I remember being in a yoga class and I wanted to crawl out of my skin. Like I used to love it was one of those places where I would oh go to yoga and feel so good and calmed and relaxed. And when I was kind of cycling through these you know, doing the work and cycling through and walking through my own inferno. I was like, get me out of my own body. This is horrible. Like it feels like hell. It can feel like hell, not easy work. Yes. But worth it. So she's got a lot of good stuff in here for how to work through the inferno. Her big things are, you know, observe the demons, like look at them, look them straight in the eye, notice, you know, see them for what they are, get curious about them, ask questions. And then I love this last bit, then move on. Like what? I don't have to slay the demon. I don't have to, yes. I just get to move on. Yes. <laughs> <That's> amazing. <laughs> so what are your personal takeaway and your favorite exercise from this gate? Yeah. I mean, really my biggest takeaway, my favorite thing was the, the process that you were just talking about. So she talks a lot about how to like sit with those demons and we think that we can't sit with them, right? We think like we have to avoid them, that they're going to overtake us, that they're going to swallow us. She has a great exercise in there about how to sit with them and like still notice that you are okay in this moment. So like bringing yourself back to like the now. So like, okay, you're sitting with your demon, but I can feel the grass under my feet. I can feel the air. I can feel my breath. Like I'm, I'm here. I'm okay. And like moment to moment, I can be okay while I sit with these. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that piece was, um, felt big to me. And then the piece about questioning them, like, like, are we sure that this is true? I went through this exercise and, and one of the things that I, I just wanted to share this like story because it shows like how much we have these thoughts that we don't even realize are there. And this is a big piece of like coaching is like, what, what are the thoughts that are either consciously or unconsciously like driving our feelings and our actions and our behaviors. And like, how can we kind of uncover them, sit with them, loosen them up and move on. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I had to look at um, my do not mention zone. So last year, uh, last September, I quit my full-time job, like smack time dab in the middle of the pandemic. I just, I, I was out of integrity. I couldn't do it anymore. Um, it was, my coaching practice was just getting underway and financially it felt like a very risky thing to do. Like we to- totally shifted the financial landscape for our family. And sometimes that still kind of sits on me and I still worry about the, the future financially. Cause I'm working less. I'm home with my kids more. And I, I was looking at my own health thoughts and I just wanted to point this out because I don't think we realize so far how, how much we can catastrophize and go down this rabbit hole. So I started thinking about like, I need to think more about like our long-term financial future and retirement and everything else. And I actually wrote this down. At some point I got to the thought of I'm irresponsible and careless. And what I've done is risky and childish and I will be broke and destitute and live up my final years as a burden to my family and burdened with regret. Mm. I'm like, I was journaling through all these exercises and I saw that and I looked at it and I almost, I laughed because I was like, 
this is how far it can go. Like these are our demon thoughts. Like they get dark and they get so big and so much bigger than they have to be. And so this process of just like sitting with them and going, well, are you sure, Jen? Like, yeah, yeah. True, Jen? like what's the evidence that you have that that is true? Um, and that's where the process that she, that she takes you through. And then what I love is that, you know, she says, and this is true. Like once we believe a thought, we pay selective attention to anything that seems to support it. If evidence contradicts a belief, our attention glides away. So like, we don't have to replace it with something else. We don't have to like know exactly the path forward. We can take it. We can look at it we can question it. And then it will start to dissolve on its own and we can move on. And this is like another place where I see things just like low open for clients. Like when they find those thoughts and those things that, and they're not doing anything different. They're just noticing them and questioning them. And it just opens up our neural pathways to like look for other things and look for evidence of other things in our life that could be true. So um, I really love how she walks you through that process in the book of really looking at observing and questioning those hell thoughts. Yeah. Oh, so good. The hell thoughts. Oh my gosh. And thank you for sharing those hell thoughts, because as you were reading it, I, I literally was getting goosebumps because it, it felt so honest and true. And I'm sure everyone listening is sitting there going, oh yeah. I mean, I, I, I can totally relate on having these just catastrophized thoughts that you just go down and you're just like, oh my gosh, I'm going to ruin my kids' lives. I'm going to ruin my future. I'm going to, what's everybody going to think? Everyone's going to hate. Everybody's going to think this, like, whoa. And when you start to hit one of those spirals, you have to be careful. You have to really be careful and intentional, intentional about how you get out of it. And if you don't have tools to help you get out of it, if you don't have a coach to help you get out of it, it can be hard. It yeah. can be really hard. She talks not to jump back to the last gate, but she talks about soul teachers. And I only want to bring it up because I thought it was such a good section of the first gate, um, talking about soul teachers and soul teachers come in so many different shapes and forms. You know, I mean, my soul teachers over the last five years have been found on podcasts through books, an amazing, amazing therapist, a great coach, you know, like they have come from so many different places, animals, you know, nature. So soul teachers are so important and making sure you have that infrastructure set up with your soul teachers, because these health thoughts, man, they, they'll take us under, they will just, they can stop you right in your tracks from doing anything and keep you stuck in this inferno in our inner hell, which is, you know, that's the whole point of this book is to help you move through and move on. So I love that you brought that up. I loved in this book, she talks a lot about righteousness and when righteousness mm. goes wrong and, you know, because oh, for those of us who were raised in a, you know, strong faith structure, that can be a tricky little widget. Right. And, um, I, we talked about this in another episode on falling upward, the book by Richard Rohr, where he talks about the two halves of life. And I am forever and will forever be grateful for my first half of life container of my being raised Catholic and like just a really strong, it gave me just a really strong container to make sense of my life in the world. And I didn't have to, um, you know, build that container for myself as a child. I could just kind of learn how to navigate and, and, and build the tools to learn how to navigate while not having to hold together a container, you know, but as you go through the second half of your life, he talks about now it's time to like 
fill the container or fix the cracks in the container, or maybe you break the container, take parts away and put in a new section, you know? So I liked this with when righteousness goes wrong, because I think it's hard to, it's hard to switch into that second half of life mode. You know, what, what he calls the further journey. Mm. If you are stuck in righteousness, you cannot make that switch. You, you just can't flip the switch because you will not trust yourself. You will not trust your, your inner knowing you will not trust your discernment. And she has a chart actually in the book that she goes, she goes through on one side, like, this is what righteousness looks like. And this is what discernment looks like and, and kind of draws a parallel. So you can see, I'm just going to open up the book really quick and go to that because I want to give a few examples. So like healthy discernment is making judgments. Righteous error is passing judgment nuanced, but the difference is there, you know? So like compels action that reduces anger is healthy, but righteous error would be compels action that increases your anger. So she's got all these little things that I just thought were, were great. And I think my listeners will love, because I know one of the things that people struggle with is differentiating between head knowing and heart knowing, because you want to lead with the heart and then make the head tell you what's the most efficient way to get that done but we keep flipping it. And so it's, it, it's confusing of how to differentiate between the two. So I loved that piece in there of um, the righteousness and talking about that. Yes. That piece is so good. And it feels so timely and important. I mean, I feel like there's so much about this book that's like just at the right time and knowing how to do those things feels extra, extra important right now. Yeah. I think you're, you're spot on. Exactly. All right. So let's move on to the third gate. The third gate is purgatory. All right. That sounds like a fun place too. Not as fun as our <laughs> inner hell inferno, but <laughs> still not sounding like sunshine and roses yet. So in purgatory, we are cleansing. This is where we are cleansing things out. We are shifting our internal behavior to align with our inner truth. We've kind of uncovered those things now. So now we're doing the work of, of bringing them together. And she kind of equates it to you're, you're starting your climb out of hell. She does say, and this is encouraging because I think this is true, but there's not too much distance left between you and the things that your heart and your soul really prize the most. The distance, the gap is so much shorter. It's still hard, but you're almost there. Like you're, you're almost there. So purgatory, not so great, but definitely better than demons in hell. <laughs> We're getting closer, Becky. We're getting closer. We are. We are. And she says, you know, the two things that you need the most in purgatory to help you ascend and make that climb out are your yearnings and your wings of desire. I loved that, that she said that mm. yearnings and your wings of desire. Oh, so beautiful. Like we all have you know, yearnings and things that we desire and using those as the, the uplift to pull you up out of purgatory that does inspire. So, okay, let's jump in. Cause I, this one is like a really juicy, good one. I feel like the exercise, and I want to see if we pick the same one for purgatory, what is your favorite exercise here and your takeaway from this gate? Okay. So I don't know if I would call this my favorite exercise, but I would call this a moment that I had with the book. So we get to the part of the cleanse and she's talking about, you know, committing to the truth. 
that was a big thing. She was like, if you want to get out of purgatory, you have to stop lying. You have to stop lying to yourself. You kind of already went there and you have to stop lying to other people too. And she has an exercise in the book called the no lie challenge, where she encourages you to not lie for at least one week. And I was reading this book. I read this book in one sitting on a Saturday afternoon. It was a beautiful day. It's going along. I was doing the exercises. This book is feeling great. I got to the no lie challenge. And I was like, you want me to not lie at all for at least a week? And I was like, oh, um, I think we're done now, Martha. And I put the book <laughs> down and I was like, Martha, I love you. I'm go. I know I'm out. And I set the book down. I, I don't think I picked it up again for at least six weeks. Nope. I was like, that's, that's real cute. I can't do that. And if that's what you need me to do, I'm out. And so I put the book down for a long time because that felt like, and I will, I will point out, like, I've also feel like I've been walking this path pretty intensely for the last like five years. Like I have really, I've come into integrity in a lot of areas in my life. So, and even from that place to think about no lie. And I mean, no lies of omission, no social pleasing pressure kind of lies, like no lies for a week. That felt full. Mm-hmm. So I put the book down and then I thought, well, maybe I should just pick it back up. Like I got ready to like go back in there and take a look again. And, you know, I will say that she, she does say in here, I, I was like, let me revisit it again. Cause our, my immediate response to that was like, that's impossible. But she said, like, as your no lie challenge moves along, you'll find yourself making a lot of judgment calls. What, what truths must you tell to feel completely honest? And when do and say whatever feels like harmony in your body, mind, heart, and soul, you'll know the truth by the sense of solid alignment that comes with it. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I can do that for a week. <laughs> So I ended up doing the no lie challenge and it was not, it's interesting because it was not as, um, because I've already done, mm-hmm. I've already done a lot of the things to make people unhappy. Like that's kind of behind me. So, um, I think the the piece, like what I noticed the lies that came up the most for me were the lies of omission where I yeah. was not saying what I needed and what I wanted. Like, I'm like, that's why I'm lying in yeah. my life. Like, I'm not just telling people what I want and what I need that was very telling for me and a really interesting exercise for me. So that stopped me in my tracks. But once I got back on and I did the no life challenge and I didn't die, we're not, guess what? (laughs) We can do this, right? Despite what we might think. And then I was able to kind of keep going and, and keep on the journey. But she talks a lot about too, the other piece I love is the power of one degree turns, like how we can lean into those yearnings and we can lean into those wings of desire. And we can just do what does it look like to do that for 10 more minutes every day? Just a little bit, little bit, little bit. And that's how we move along the path of integrity. And this story that like, if we lean into what we really want, everything's going to fall apart. Like we're going to disappoint everyone and we're going to just sit and watch TV all day. And like how untrue all of that is. I feel like this piece where like we stop lying to ourselves and then we just lean into what we want even if we have to do it little by little, which I think is how all of us start on this path. There was a lot in this section that just felt really, really juicy <laughs> to me yeah. and really felt like the path that that I myself and so many people that I know, you know, have just been trying to, to walk on is this, can we be truthful? Can we lean in? Yeah. Oh, so, so good. Yes. I, I love that you got to the part about the no lies and you're like, no, no, Martha, we're, this is where we part ways. <laughs> 
I mean, I was right there with you. I was just like, that's insanity. Like it's not responsible to, to just say what you want to say all the time and just, you know, be, but that's not what she's saying. She's not saying be hurtful or say horrible things. She's saying reach for the most loving place within you to honor what is true. Right. And there's a way to do that. There's a way to do that. And in the previous gate, she does, she does kind of trick you because she sets you up for the no lie thing. You don't know that that's what she's doing, but in the previous gate, she gets into like the different kinds of lies. Do you remember that? She talks about like, she has black lies and white lies and gray lies. And you know, what's the difference? And it's, and I was like, oh yes, that, yeah, that is really good. And you could, you know, you kind of start to put yourself on the hook for like, yeah, I guess I probably do do some, you know, white social, you know, social contract kind of lies, like the pleasantries or whatnot. And um, then she gets into here and she's like, and guess what now you can't do any of it. I feel like you led me into purgatory and then you tricked me. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You tricked me into making me do this no lie thing. Oh my gosh. But yeah, I, I took a week and did it as well. And whew, I mean, it's, it's funny because I do like the chakra work. Uh, I had a different guest on my vocal coach is Marin Azoff. She was on one of my very first shows and I have a real energy block in my throat, which is interesting as a singer to have. And as I was doing that kind of spot of energy work, I, I it was shockingly hard for me, like, cause you have to chant a, a sound and I just was having a hard time. And she's kept saying that, you know, there's something in your throat. It's, it's, you're not, you're not saying what you need to be saying and it's getting stuck, you know? Mm. And I could tell during that week when I had, had taken that week to do for myself, I could feel it all of a sudden I was like, oh, oh my gosh. Like, ah, I feel that tightening spot in my throat. And so that's when I knew I was like, I'm, I'm falling into one of the, like, I'm doing something. I'm either trying to please someone I'm skirting something. I'm not being forthcoming or saying something that I'm, that I should be. It was a really wild physical experience for me, just as well as a, you know, to watch what happened when I finally said it, the world did not fall apart. My friends. Yes. Yes, it did not. And as I've already shared, I, you know, I had a, I had a challenging summer that could have been really more difficult than it was. I mean, the timing of this for me was just interesting because feeling that and committing to like, okay, I want, I need to work through that block, you know, and, and the no lie challenge definitely helped me there. So that was big for me. I loved the one degree turns. She has a, a chapter in there about fill your time with life. And that spoke to me a lot because for me on my journey, that is definitely what I started doing. Fill your time with life. And what was, what I thought was bringing me to life, but what I finally now understand was the life inside of me trying to be birthed, right? Mm. Was my music. And I do music full-time now pretty much, but five years ago, I wasn't doing music full-time. I just, I had a curiosity about what it would be like to get back into music. And then I had a curiosity what it would be like if I did a little bit more. And then I had a curiosity about if I did a little bit more. So I love that idea of just don't think you have to eat the whole elephant at once, you know, just, you just Mm. little bits, little bits and practice makes permanent and the path will reveal. And what I'm doing right now with music, I never could have even 
pictured it five years ago. It was not even a thought in my head how my business, that I would have a business, number one, how my studio business would be working with corporations and things like all these different things have opened up. You couldn't, you can't see it. So you just have to start little, just little, little, little. Yeah. So I loved that. I loved it. And she also gets into, won't this make me selfish? Yeah. To do all these, you know, to take time to start filling my life and, and to do these things. And I just have one quote on that. And I think, because I, I know it's true. I know it's true from lived experience, which is everything that truly makes us happy is limitless and multiplicative, not scarce and divisive. Yes. It's the truth. Yes. It's there's abundance. There's abundance in it. That's not selfish. That's it helps everybody around you. Yeah. I, sim- I wrote similarly, I wrote down a quote it's from the next chapter, but as you follow the way of integrity, you will end up healing the whole world. You know, yes. like we don't think that that's where this goes. And like, you know, I, I've seen it. I mean, in you, in me, in other, my clients, like mm-hmm. nobody who I know who is like, I'm going to follow the path of truth and love and inner knowing, like ends up living more selfishly. <laughs> no, it just multiplies. And we're so scared to trust that what we want is actually what the world needs. Yes. Oh, I just got goosebumps when you said that. Absolutely. Absolutely. There is a reason that desire is planted. And I firmly believe it's because that is the piece. That's what you're supposed to bring. That's your part here. So bring it out. And you, you just, you could never imagine. It might sound like the most ridiculous thing in the world. It sounded like the most ridiculous thing in the world to me over five years ago when my little knowing said, you're supposed to do more music and music. And I'm like, that makes no sense at all. And it made no sense at all. Then you just got to go little by little. So, oh, so good. Yeah. So good. So purgatory is not all bad, everybody. No, no. <laughs> just just take the little baby steps, the little baby yeah. steps out of purgatory. We can do that. That's exactly right. And use your yearnings and use your wings of desire. And that will start to help pull you right out of purgatory. And then we make it to the final gate, which is paradise. And that's where we're living in integrity. We have inner and outer alignment. And I love in this chapter, she talks about now we're into the mystery of things. We're living in the mystery. And I, you know, that's a scary, it can sound like a scary thing, but I feel like once you've like you have, I have people who've listened to the show have, once you've started walking down this path, you start to see how pretty freaking awesome living into the mystery really is. Oh my gosh. It's everything. And it's nowhere that I ever thought I would be Yeah, like, it's the total opposite of how I ever operated for 40 years. And then now it's like, I can't imagine doing it any other way because there's just so much freedom and possibility there Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. It's very, it's a very liberating, just, um, light and joyful feeling. It's just, it's really nice when you can find those moments of paradise and then really kind of live into that. So I don't know if you had takeaways from this chapter exercises. She really got more into, she had more, I think, helpful information in this chapter. She talks a lot about enlightenment. She talks a lot about the psychology and the science behind meditation and the neuro pathways that that, you know, gets into. And, you know, she shares a bit about you know, the kind of people talking about magic and, you know, manifestation. She's like, man, I don't really so much believe in that. I just kind of believe it's science. We don't yet understand, mm. but 
she does talk about how she could clearly start to see when she was living in Phoenix, that she was living on the edge of a national park in California. She was like, I would lay in bed and I would literally be able to picture what I would see out my window. And it was almost as if I lived in California. And then she went to go find a house in California and found the thing that was in her head. Yes. Like when I was a little kid and I just had this knowing, I just knew that my hands were meant to play a guitar. I just knew it. And when I finally got one, I could play two songs. It's like, you do map your brain, you you know, when you follow these knowings, your brain is like, yes, yes, this is, this is meant to be. So I love that. She says, maybe it's a miracle. Maybe it's magic. Call whatever you want for her. It was it's science not yet understood. So that might make it a little more accessible for some people who are not quite as woo. What were your biggest takeaways from that chapter? I think the biggest piece for me that I really loved was the piece. And we've talked about this a little bit, but just the mystery and the the living with beginner's mind that what we're not trying to do is go to our health thoughts and replace them with something else. You know, we're not trying to get tighter on our beliefs. We're trying to let them go. And when we let them go, we can come from this place of like beginner's mind of openness of curiosity, where we don't have to know where we're going, like where we can lean into like following those yearnings, following those wings of desire. And it's just a breadcrumb here and a breadcrumb Mm -hmm. there. And we don't have to know where it's going. And there's so much, it can feel really scary when you're like, oh, I don't know where I'm going. But once you start walking that path and you see where it takes you, you realize like, this is such a more, like you said, a more joyful, easier, free way to live. And what I've found for myself is like, like I would never give you a five-year plan for myself right now. Ever. Same. If you asked me that, I'd be like, I have no idea. And isn't that wonderful? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, but what's funny is five years ago, did you want a five-year plan? Oh my God. Yes. Yes. I was absolutely. On the 40-year plan. <laughs> I had a plan for a plan and a backup plan. I mean, absolutely. I was the planner. <laughs> yes. Yes. And now it's like, wait, you want me to tell you what my next year trajectory is going to I could, I have no idea. <laughs> no idea. And it's no amazing. Idea. It is. It's so wonderful. It feels so wonderful. And, you know, it's like, all I have to do is just take a step, check in with my integrity, Mm -hmm. take a step, check in with my integrity, stay open, listen to my body, listen to my heart, listen to my mind, listen to my soul. That's all I have to do. Mm -hmm. I don't have to, that's it. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing what opens up when you can do that. And so I really love just that piece about, about don't know mind. And I feel like particularly at this point in time, how much we all need to, like, if we were trying to operate on a plan up until now, (laughs) I think we all learned that we, you know, there's a problem there and like Mm -hmm. we're getting a clear signal that like, we cannot control everything. We cannot have the plan. And so this gives us another way. Um, and this, this whole book just maps out how to start. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. I love that. You know, I talked in another episode earlier this year about it's path, not plan. It's the path, Mm. right? It's I forever wanted a blessed plan and I lived my life by it. I'm starting to touch into a little bit of understanding, like the difference between like the feminine and the masculine energies. And I do think that, that the kind of plan thing is a very masculine energy. You know, there's nothing wrong with masculine energy. It actually helps us get shit done. So, you know, you, you need a healthy balance of both, 
but the feminine energy is more intuitive and it is more flow. And as a mother, even we all realize there has to be a lot of flow. You don't know what your kid's going to bring you every single day. You can't plan out the perfect days because they're kids. It might not run that way. So I feel like women tend to naturally go there, but our society has been, it's a very masculine energy society. And I think what yes. we're seeing right now and what's happening right now is that this feminine energy, not so much to say one is better or one is worse, but there has to be a balance. Like we actually bring a good energy to things and it's necessary to help kind of keep that flow. So I feel like that's what I have found more in my life of less, less hustle, less pushing, less trying to just like make shit happen all the time, which used to be, I literally had a sweatshirt that said that get shit done. Like, mm. <laughs> and I wore that as a prize. I was like, <laughs> yeah, this is what I do. I, you know, I make shit happen or get shit done or whatever it said. I'll have to take a picture of it. I still have it. And over the last couple of years, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not wearing that. Like I'm not forcing, I'm not forcing this anymore. Like mm -mm. stuff's either going to happen and it's not out of laziness. That's the other thing people shouldn't hear here. It's not that it's an irresponsible, reckless abandon of, of things. It's a different way of still meeting obligations, taking care of your family, being responsible. It's just a different approach. That's yes. just more easeful, quite frankly. So yes. Yes. Yeah. No one that I know who's followed this path has just like, you know, abandoned everyone oh. and all their responsibilities. And, and I think there is a lot of messaging, not explicit, but under the surface that that's, what's going to happen. If we all start trusting our inner knowing, you know, mm -hmm. if we all start mm -hmm. listening to this voice and mm -hmm. it's a hell thought, it's a hell thought. Amen. We're going to sit with that one and we're going to dissolve it. And we are going to move on. <laughs> that is exactly right. That is exactly right. Awesome. All right. Well, as we warned at the beginning, we could talk about this and 10 million other things for a whole nother hour, but I can't even believe an hour has already passed. So I think we're just going to kind of wrap it up here. The one, my kind of big takeaway, and we've talked about this multiple times with this book is how necessary it is to be bold and brave to go through this process. You said it at the very beginning, this takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of courage. And there are points in this journey where you are gonna wanna run for the hills. And the hills, I mean, back to the, back to the misery you knew or back to the life that you knew. It feels safe. It feels, sometimes it feels responsible. It feels comfortable. And the pull of that to the past, to, to staying, out of integrity is so blessed strong. You need help to kind of pull through and, and to really continue to forge down that path. Those soul teachers are so important. And I think that you are an amazing soul teacher. If no one has ever, ever told you that you are, I think you are definitely an amazing soul teacher. I love following you on Instagram and staying in touch with you. So why don't you tell us kind of what's going on in Jen's world right now and some things you have going on with your coaching? Oh, thank you so much, Becky. Yeah. So, I mean, coaching is what helped me follow the path of integrity. You know, that's what changed it for me. And so that's why I feel so strongly about it and why I became a coach. I work one-on-one -on -one primarily with women because I think women in particular, we have certain ways that we've been socialized to really disconnect from this knowing and not to trust our yearnings and not to trust the things that we want. 
And so I work with women who are feeling burnt out, exhausted, overwhelmed, trapped, stuck, all of these, all of these things in the wood of error. And I help them really make space for themselves get really deeply connected with those yearnings and those wings of desire and figure out how to bring them forth in their lives. I, I love to usher my clients through this process of like watching them, like as they do this, like how much love and light comes forth. And then it just spills out to everyone around them. You can find my website. It's jenoglesby.com um, or follow me on Instagram at jenoglesby and learn more about my coaching practice there. But right now I'm doing one-on-one coaching. I do have openings right now. and would love to, basically what I do in my practice is I, I take people through this process because you do need support. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty amazing what can happen. I sell a 12-week coaching package and people do this in 12 weeks. They start to make these one degree turns and their life opens up and it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Wonderful. Well, I am so excited to know about all the stuff that you do and you were a big inspiration to me. We met in the Tara Moore playing big facilitators training course. That's how we actually met because you were getting more tools for your practice. And I was kind of like, Hmm, what is this coaching world? And I love Tara and I loved her, her tools. So I wanted to be able to help kind of use them and put them out into the world. And then I actually became a coach as well. But part of that was through, you know, the playing big and it was a whisper that I was hearing and then kind of meeting you and like seeing just how this opens up for people. You know, you've been a big inspiration to me and I just thank you so much for being part of the show, not once, but twice now. And for today's amazing conversation about the way of integrity, we'll have you on again. We'll just make this like a little quarterly thing that we'll do with Jen and who knows what we'll talk about next. I would love that. I never get enough of talking to you, Becky. And uh, same to you. You're an inspiration to me. I mean, you clearly walk this path and show the rest of us the way. And I'm, I'm grateful that you are putting it out there and grateful to be a little part of, of what you're putting out into the world. Oh, well, thank you so much. Mm, you guys, that book, I warned you. I warned you, (laughs) this integrity business isn't for the faint of heart. It's not for the surface skimmers or spiritual lightweights. You've got to surrender in such a big way. And man, it's a never-ending process. The work is never finished. But the rewards are so sweet that it makes the journey worth every single step that stretches us. If you liked today's show, I would be so, so, so grateful if you would take two minutes to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. I read the reviews and they are so heartwarming, but more importantly, the ratings and the reviews make the show more discoverable, which helps more people learn about the show and allows more people to get the tools to unleash their soul song. And we really need all of our gifts flying out into the world now more than ever. And don't forget that if you'd like to get a copy of the book, please support an independent bookstore. Our partner, Briars and Brambles, is offering my listeners a 10% discount on today's book. Just go to briarsandbramblesbooks.com and follow the link on the homepage to get details on ordering. I'll be sure to post it in the show notes as well. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to this podcast. I know that life is busy and hectic and finding time for yourself is an absolute treasure. So thank you for spending that time with me. Have a great week.
reached our highest ground. Unleash Your Soul Song is recorded and edited in 426 Studios, the music production company that I co-own. For more information about our music and our services, please visit www.four26studios.com. That's www.four26studios.com.